Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today a verse is taken from the book of Psalms, Psalm 103, verse 1, which says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. The important word here is holy, where to bless his holy name. God is a holy God. He's without sin. He is perfect. There's nothing around him that is unclean. And the problem that we have is that we are unclean. We are sinners by nature and by act. And because of that, we are disqualified for God's presence. But God made a way. He gave us his perfect gift, the Lord Jesus, who came to earth and bore our sins and took our place. And because he died there and shed his own blood for our sins and rose again on the third day, when we ask him to become part of our life, then we become believers in Christ and our sins are forgiven and we become holy. Then we have a savior and we can say, bless the Lord, all my soul, because we're so thankful for all the things that he has done for us. Undeserved work that Christ did on the cross for us. He shed his own blood for us. What a great blessing. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Alex and Suzanne Sarin, who have a wonderful ministry in Lyon, France. Alex has been the pastor there for several years, and um, they've been home on furlough, and so they've had a wonderful time to travel from place to place. And I think they told me yesterday they were in 40 different states mm -hmm. trying to raise their support. God has really blessed them, and now they have just returned back to the fields. Why don't you tell us about the church, how things are going now that you're back in uh, France? We are planting a church in the seventh district of Lyon, France. Lyon is the second largest urban area of France behind Paris, but certainly the most beautiful. <laughs> um, and this church has been going on for uh, 18 years. It was a 
church plant that was started from scratch by a small team of Presbyterian missionaries. And uh, we are in the process of continuing that work, hopefully, uh, and eventually we'll achieve uh, um, self-sufficiency as a church, but we're not there yet. So it's still a small church, about 50 people on Sundays. The church went uh, well while we were not there, which is uh, really an answer to prayer. Great blessing. (laughs) Yes, very encouraging. Uh, there's some steady growth, although it's sm- it's uh, slow, and so we're continuing. Yeah, you just uh, relocated uh, the church just recently. It depends what you call recently. Uh, <laughs> uh, six years ago, we outgrew the small storefront location we'd been renting for the previous six years, and uh, we did not know where we were going to, to, to find a better place. And uh, the Lord opened a door. In uh, in the basement of a Catholic church building, um, we've had to meet there for the last six years. It's uh, it's uh, slightly better than the storefront in the sense that it's a bit bigger, but it's less accessible, less visible, obviously, uh, less uh, functional in a sense. And uh, but the good news is we've almost outgrown that space, uh-huh. so we are looking and have been looking for a few years now a building that we could call our own. Well, I noticed from some of your uh, prayers and things that you've had a lot of outreaches into the community. I know you've had some big events that you've been able to be a, a part of. Why don't you uh, tell us about those things? Our outreach efforts are very diverse. Uh, we try all kinds of different things. But one thing we've been doing in the last few years is we've been putting on uh, debates in public venues, in a particular public venue, which is the coffee shop that's down the street from where our church meets. And uh, what we do in those events is we uh, try to address common objections to Christianity. So we've talked about whether the Bible was reliable, uh, whether science disproves the existence of God, whether uh, you can believe in God uh, when there's so much suffering in the world and so on. Uh, every time we have a short talk on the, on the topic and then we open it up for discussion and questions from the audience, we usually... Uh, print out uh, a few thousand tracts that we hand out in the neighborhood in the weeks beforehand. And that's a great opportunity to, to just uh, meet people in the neighborhood and even there start talking with people on the streets. Every time people have come because, we've, because they received a tract, at least a few people have come because they received a tract. And we see these events really as a way to establish contacts with, uh, with new people. Mm. Uh, to be honest, we, we don't see those events as places where we expect people to become Christians on the spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do try and, and make sure we share the gospel in the, in the course of the presentation. But uh, we're trying to uh, establish those relationships. And what we're really trying to do eventually is bring people into contact with the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, we have seen people come to, to, to the Lord in, in the last few years. Every time it's been because they've sat down and studied scripture with us, often in a one-on-one uh, setting. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, Suzanne, tell us about your ministry. I know you're a mom of six children. Yes, so they are my first priority and my first ministry. But um, my dad was a French chef, and he passed out a lot of his knowledge to me, and so I enjoy cooking. So we use we have do a lot of hospitality, have people into the home. We have a lot of young girls in the church that have never known what a Christian home is from, that have come from abusive situations. And so they'll come and spend the weekend with us, and a lot of my ministry is just 
living life and cooking and talking with them as we do that and showing them what a Christian home and family looks like. Mm -hmm. So a lot of counseling has gone on just in those more informal settings. Well, and you've just found a new home that that gives you a bigger ministry opportunity. Yes, we're very excited because we used to have to live far from the city and it was a long commute and now people can come to us much easier. There's city buses that come to us and there is more room. So we're very excited about the opportunities that will allow us to have. Well, I think the Lord's really blessing you and uh, really thankful for for your ministry and uh, we continue to pray for you and I'm so thankful for the blessing. Uh, the radio audience probably doesn't know this, but um, when they are on deputation out west, they had an accident where their, their car rolled over with with the children in and, and uh, no one was injured. That was a real blessing. And uh, they were able to have a, a, a second vehicle that uh, took them the rest of the way on their, their deputation. So God has really been, been with you and uh, watched over you and protected you yes. and, and helped you in a mighty way. And so, yes. and now you're back in France doing your ministry. So we're really pleased. Lord bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you are aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we continue to need your continuing support and prayers. It's the oldest Christian broadcast in North America, and Lord has been so faithful to us over the years. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet by June Hunt entitled Hope, and I think all of us need a little hope. She has here, hope is the anchor of your soul. The idea is to regain a hopeful outlook on life is not difficult or complicated. All it requires is a shift in focus. When you have Christ as your anchor, rather than drowning in despair, you're held secure in his hope, which I think is a good statement. You need to know what characterizes misplaced hope, the symptoms of hopelessness, What distinguishes faith from hope? How to understand God's will in the midst of disappointment? And how to reach out to those contemplating suicide? All these things are included in this booklet that you can get for a reference, and I really encourage you to do that. You can find an anchor for your soul and a sure hope through the guaranteed promises of God. Discover the characteristics and benefits of a life harbored in the hope of God's unfailing word. To order your copy, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And don't forget to continue to pray for Canada's National Bible Hour. We appreciate your help and your support. special series of talks. In the weeks ahead, God willing, I would like to develop with you a biography of the person of Jesus Christ. 
In 50 years of teaching and preaching the Bible, I've never begun a series of studies with a greater sense of inadequacy or a deeper sense of reverence. It is one thing to trace the lives of the human characters introduced to us in Holy Writ. It is another thing altogether to talk about the divine person of Jesus Christ. In all the universe, there never has been or ever will be another being who remotely compares to him. He was and is and always will be distinct from all others. This entire physical universe which came into being at his command will someday dissolve and disappear in response to another command from his divine lips. The hour is coming, the scriptures say, in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Every person's eternal destiny depends on their personal relationship with him. To know him is life eternal, not to know him is eternal death. The life and status of every human being since time began either has or will yet be profoundly touched and affected by him. His imprint on the society of this earth and every person in it already far exceeds that of any other person. An unknown author writing of the matchless Christ said this, Born of a peasant woman in an obscure village, he worked in a carpenter's shop until 30 years of age, then was an itinerant preacher for three years. He never went to college, never wrote a book, never held an office, never visited a large city. In fact, he never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. When he was only 33, the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends forsook him. One of them betrayed him. Another denied that he ever knew him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was falsely condemned, mocked, scourged, and crucified on a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property he possessed. And when he was dead, he was buried in a grave that belonged to another man. Nineteen centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as he. Now let me turn to what the Bible says of him. The book of Hebrews begins with these words. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. Notice the status God here assigns to his son Jesus Christ. The heir of all things, the maker, not just of this world, but the worlds, the brightness of God's own glory and the express image of his divine person, the upholder and sustainer, of everything that exists. The Apostle John, in the opening of his gospel, 
speaks of Christ's glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Apostle Paul, in the first chapter of his letter to the Colossians, describes Christ as the image of the invisible God, the creator of all things in heaven and in earth, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, and says he was before all things, and by him all things consist. He further refers to him as the head of the church, the firstborn from the dead, that is, the first to be raised from the dead with a resurrection body. He adds that it is God's intention that in all things Christ should have the preeminence, and that in him all fullness should dwell. In the second chapter of the same letter, he affirms that in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that he is the head of all principality and power, and in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In his first epistle to Timothy, Paul describes Christ as the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. The statements which Jesus Christ made concerning himself are also significant and could not be made by any other person who ever lived. He said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. I am the bread of life. This is the bread which came down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In developing a biography of this matchless Christ, we will seek to present him in the eight different roles in which he is revealed in the Scriptures. One, the pre-existent Christ, or the eternal I Am, spoken of in Exodus 3.14. Two, the Christ of Bethlehem, the mystery of his incarnation. Three, Christ the stranger of Galilee. Four, the Christ of Calvary. Five, the resurrected Christ. Six, the Christ of today. Seven, Christ the King of Kings. And eight, Christ the eternal all in all. Next week being Christmas, we'll talk about the Christ of Bethlehem. Today, let us turn our attention to what the Bible tells us about the preeminent, pre-existent Christ. His status and role before he took on himself a human form when he came into this world as the babe of Bethlehem. One of the cardinal truths affirmed in the scriptures is the existence of one infinite, omnipotent, eternal, and self-existent triune God. Of everything that exists, God alone is eternal. He had no beginning, just as he will have no end. He always was. He always will be. Now such truth staggers our human minds. We're creatures of a realm in which everything has a beginning and an end. We cannot comprehend a realm where this is not so, a realm where time does not exist, the realm of God. The omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, immutable, eternal, living spirit 
who always existed and will never end. Now, some refer to God as the eternal first cause, but the term is inappropriate for two reasons. First, it suggests that God had a beginning, that He was the first of all beginnings, when the fact is God always was and therefore had no beginning. Secondly, the term first cause suggests God may be an impersonal, blind force or power. The scriptures, which is, are God's revelation concerning Himself, affirm that God is a divine person, a triune spirit being, combining in one eternal Godhead three distinct personalities, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three divine persons, equal in attributes and capable of functioning separately, while at the same time comprising only one eternal Godhead. This is a divine mystery beyond the comprehension of our finite minds. In this biography, we are concentrating on what is revealed in the Bible concerning the second member of that divine eternal trinity, namely God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the scriptures, he's given many names, each of them significant. Isaiah 9 and 6 alone calls Christ by five different names. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The name the Mighty God affirms his deity. The name the Everlasting Father, his eternal existence. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, Christ is called the Word, and the passage affirms both His deity and His pre-existence. It reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Genesis 1 and 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. These are not contradictory statements, because Christ, the eternal Word, was God. When it came to the creation of man, Genesis 1.26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Notice the plural pronouns. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. This is the triune God speaking. And so man was created a tripart being, having a body and a soul and a spirit, which is what sets man above and apart from all other living creatures. Christ himself, while on this earth, made many statements confirming his pre-existence before he took on his human form. In John 8:56, speaking to the Jews, he said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. The Jews replied, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Before Abraham was, I am. In his prayer to God his Father on the night of his betrayal, he said, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And again in, the, again in the same prayer, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me 
Be with me where I am, that they may behold thy glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Throughout the Old Testament record of God's dealings with mankind, particularly his chosen people Israel, the pre-existent Christ was frequently involved. He was the angel of the Lord who conveyed God's covenant promises to Abraham. And as he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He was Israel's preserver and protector during their wilderness journey. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Oh, the matchless past that Jesus Christ had before he came into this world as the babe of Bethlehem. No wonder the prophet Micah, when predicting centuries in advance his birth in human form in Bethlehem, said of that little town, Out of thee shall he come forth that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. My friend, the Lord Jesus Christ was not just the greatest man that ever walked this earth. He was and is the eternal and almighty God. He took on himself the form of a man, the Bible says, for the suffering of death. He became a human being in order that he might bear in his human body the penalty of the sins of the entire human race, that a way might be opened whereby sinful men could be forgiven and restored to fellowship with the holy God who created them. Jesus Christ was both very God and very man at one and the same time. When he died for our sins in our place, it was more than a good man dying for his fellow men. It was the incarnate God accepting death in the place of his human creatures that they might be given an opportunity to escape the eternal consequences of their rebellion against him and his immutable laws of righteousness and truth. Oh, my friend, have you availed yourself of the forgiveness and reconciliation to God that is available to you only through Jesus Christ? There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Remember what he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Will you receive him as your personal Savior today. May God bless you. I trust that the message you just heard is a real blessing to you and will encourage you in your faith. Want to minister to the Christian community through good Bible studies and good preaching, but we also have a concern for those who may not know Jesus Christ personally. And so I always like to share the gospel at the end of the broadcast. The Bible teaches that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of that sin is death. That's eternal damnation. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You have to realize you're a sinner. You realize that you have broken God's laws. And it only takes one sin to disqualify you from being into his presence because he's a totally 100% pure God. And so God had to provide a way for us because none of us knew any way. We can't do enough works. There's no way to get back to God. There's no way to pay off our sin because we've offended the most high God. And Jesus bore your sins in his own body alone on that tree on that cross. 
And because of that sacrifice that he made, he died and he rose again on the third day. And he's alive and well, and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit accepted that sacrifice. And because of that, when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So the only way to get to God is through Jesus. And you need to ask him to come into your life. You need to confess your sins and ask him to become part of your life, and he will. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet by June Hunt entitled Hope. And I think all of us need a little hope. She has here, hope is the anchor of your soul. The idea is to regain a hopeful outlook on life is not difficult or complicated. All it requires is a shift in focus. When you have Christ as your anchor, rather than drowning in despair, you're held secure in his hope, which I think is a good statement. You need to know what characterizes misplaced hope, the symptoms of hopelessness, what distinguishes faith from hope, how to understand God's will in the midst of disappointment, and how to reach out to those contemplating suicide. All these things are included in this booklet that you can get for a reference, and I really encourage you to do that. You can find an anchor for your soul and a sure hope through the guaranteed promises of God. Discover the characteristics and benefits of a life harbored in the hope of God's unfailing word. To order your copy, Please write to Cas National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And don't forget to continue to pray for Cas National Bible Hour. We appreciate your help and your support.